This episode of the Derek Diamond Experience is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Welcome to episode 140 of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, a very special episode. For those of you who follow me on social media, you know that I attended Star Wars Celebration this past weekend. And for those of you who don't know what that is, Star Wars Celebration is a four-day convention dedicated specifically for Star Wars. This year it was held at the Orange County Convention Center in Orlando, Florida, and I was fortunate enough to get a media pass for it, which was uh, very surprising to say the least. You know, outside of Pensacon, I've never really covered a convention as a podcaster. So getting that opportunity was really, really cool. And, you know, I don't talk about myself that much personally on the show anymore, but Star Wars is very important to me. Star Wars is my biggest fandom. You know, I have things that I love. I love the Legend of Zelda series for Nintendo. I love the WWE, but Star Wars is the one that's always been there. You know, really since the beginning, I've been a Star Wars fan as long as I can remember. I was introduced to the original trilogy at a very early age, and I've been hooked ever since. And, you know, since Disney bought out Lucasfilm and made the new trilogy, made the new spinoffs, and I've given, I've been getting back into the books again, you know, it's, it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. And getting to go to Celebration as a podcaster was really cool. I got to attend uh, the Star Wars Rebels panel as a member of the media, recorded uh, some of that, which you can watch the full panel uh, online. I'm sure you can search for it on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, but I did record a section of it because I, I thought it would be kind of cool to hear, you know, really like you're a member of the audience listening to this panel. And immediately after that, there was a press conference that was held exclusively for the media. And you'll hear sections of that on this podcast as well. And the end of it will be a kind of a celebration wrap-up with myself, Josh Gay, who you may remember as appearing on the show multiple times for the Roundtable episodes, and also making her podcast debut is the amazing, lovely, and talented Sarah Myers. So we all kind of give our thoughts and review of Celebration. And I do want to say, you know, it, it's no secret that uh, the convention w had some issues uh, which I will not get into on this podcast, but I will say getting to go to these panels and especially, you know, the Star Wars 40th anniversary, seeing that amazing tribute to Carrie Fisher and hearing the great John Williams and then going to the Last Jedi panel and watching the first ever trailer for it, watching it with a bunch of diehard Star Wars fans and we're all going nuts about it. That was a once in a lifetime thing. And that kind of made all the issues worth it, in my opinion. So um, I don't regret going. I thought it was, you know, quite a bit of fun getting to interact with other Star Wars fans as well, meeting some new people. Uh, so again, what you'll be hearing for this podcast, you'll be hearing a section of the Star Wars Rebels panel. Then you'll be hearing the, um, the press conference. You'll be hearing a section of it. And then um, our overall thoughts of Celebration. So hopefully you guys enjoy it, and I will see you on the other side of it. 
And this was just one amazing moment in season three, but there were so many more. I, I, I have to talk about uh, Admiral Thrawn. Everyone's favorite chiss. This guy, this guy was uh, just amazing in season three. And what was it like bringing him to the screen? Because I really felt like we really got to know Thrawn in a really true way in terms of how his mind works. Well, is that, well again, I mean, there's an opportunity in our show to bring characters back that maybe have been, you know, taken to the side or made into legends. And I, I read that stuff just like you guys, and so did Kiri Hearts, and we, you know, really liked Thrawn. So Thrawn was in the discussion from the beginning of Rebels. But again, it has to make say, sense when you can use him, and if you can use him the right way, you can't change him. He has to be true to who he is. Uh, we had a really interesting kinetic match in the fact that Sabine does art, and Thrawn obviously studies art. So that felt like, wow, that's a really good fit, because you know, while her art is expressive for her, it could also undermine them in some ways, because Thrawn's so smart. Uh, so, you know, once we started developing Thrawn, you know, and obviously we had the books, uh, we brought Tim in, because you know, it's his character. Uh, I think that's a critical thing, so Timothy's on, you know, thank you for that great character. <laughs> and I told him yesterday, you know, I said, when you see the love that everybody has for Thrawn, and it lit up in London when we showed that and hear the applause. I mean, make no mistake, I, I really appreciate people think we've done a great job. Lars Mickelson has been phenomenal as Thrawn. <laughs> the hardest task we've had to do, and Lars is brilliant at it, but it is all just reflective of the work that Tim did in the books, because that's where the love originates. So, to make that clear, thank you. There were some other really fascinating uh, parts to season three, some amazing creations, and I, and I wanted to talk to you and, and also to you, Freddie, about the Bendu. Right? I mean, he, the, his everything from, from how he appeared to those scenes to sort of the mythology behind it. Um, what were those discussions like creatively when you were putting together those episodes in terms of talking about the Force and, and balancing the tone of Kanan with the Bendu? Well, for Kanan, Bendu is, is another teacher, um, sort of his teacher for season three. I guess his teacher was the Inquisitor in season one, probably Maul in season two. <laughs> and, now, uh, and now he finally gets somebody decent. Uh, someone. <laughs> Sorry, Sam. Um, <laughs> so for me, he's my force moose. That's what I always called him. I grew up... I grew up watching the never-ending story, so he was very reminiscent of the nothing and the rock fighter sort of combined into one. And so that's who he represented for me. And uh, we were lucky enough to have it phenomenally voiced by Tom, who uh, put this amazing sort of weight and gravity to it. But for Kanan, it's about, you know, learning how to walk, learning how to crawl, learning how to see, learning how to literally live and, and survive, and, and the Bendu gives him very tough, in the middle type love. There's just, the character arcs in the season were just, were just phenomenal. That was a huge highlight for me. Not only an incredible character that, uh, that you interacted with, but um, also- He's my favorite character in the whole series. The Bendu? Bendu? Yeah, yeah, he's my favorite character in the whole series. You also had an incredible episode with Sabine, Tia.
just, I mean, Sabine, you know, really just had an incredible arc in season three. Tell us about your, your experience bringing that to life, voicing that in the studio with Dave and with Freddie and everyone else. Gosh, I'm feeling like a little verklempt <clears throat> right now. So, sorry guys. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know I was gonna get to do that. And I feel like it was such a gift from this guy that to give me like the opportunity to, to have a, a moment like that and, and to explore my character in that way with that guy over there, um, and and actually, you know, you know how I've, we've all talked about Dave doesn't give us much in advance. He gives us what we need, but never anything more. And this particular time, uh, he was. I think he knew that I would need to sort of mentally and emotionally prep for what was um, coming up. So he gave me um, a very generous heads up that uh, we would we would have these. Um, I would, I would need to go to a place that I hadn't yet gotten to go with Sabine, uh, and really, actually, never as a voice actor before. So, um, so yeah, it was sort of an interesting experience. But he also gave us the opportunity to. I mean, I love recording with these guys as a as a as a crew. It's the be it's the best part of this job. But um, for that particular for Trials of the Dark Saber, we actually had like sort of a separate um, recording session, which was just Freddie, myself, and Dave, and you know, the rest of the, the producers and sound engineers. And um, I think that really made it feel even more special because it was like this very kind of intimate recording session and we were right right there and, and um, yeah, I, it was like one of my favorite things I've ever gotten to do um, as an actor. Hi, you guys. Welcome to the Star Wars Rebels Season 4 press conference. Thank you for your patience. I know we're a couple minutes late, but we hope everyone just came from the pretty awesome panel. And we have most of our panelists here to take some of your questions. So let's bring out Dave Filoni, <laughs> Tia Sarkar, <laughs> Steve Bloom, <laughs> Vanessa Marshall, and Taylor Gray. Yeah. And so you guys will do this old-fashioned style. I'll just call on you when you raise your hand, and we'll try to be as fair as we can. Okay? So who wants to go first? Go. <laughs> um, so Dave, I noticed during the panel you changed the question mark on your shirt to exclamation. But it's not changed. It's just a question mark. I, no, I think that was something inside you that you saw. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I think you're right. Because it looks, that's a question mark. I mean, the printer maybe screwed up. But it looks you like, thank you, though. You were willing it so. The emotions yeah. take over. Interesting yeah. question. I didn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> Tia? Yeah, sorry, I thought I was being called on to ask a question. I was like, I don't have a question. <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, my brain is also turning to mine. Tia, can you talk about what was going on when Dave announced the end of, that it was ended at season four? Could you tell that I was a little emotional? <laughs> I just, I knew, well, I knew it was coming. Well, we've known for a little while, if I can say that, and... Um, and we weren't sure when you guys would find out. And so recently, we saw each other. And um, 
I asked Dave and he said, we're going to tell them in person um, at Celebration. And I thought, at first I thought, oh, you cruel, cruel man, you're going to like break their hearts like in real life just right there. And then I thought about it later and I thought, what a nice way to get to share that news with you in person rather than like putting out a press release and having people find out online and in this impersonal way. I thought we all get to be there to tell you together. And of course, I feel like heartbroken that it's ending, but also, I, you know, Dave told us something similar that uh, what he told you guys, which is that we've, we've told the story we wanted to tell and we've gotten to end it on our own terms in a way that, you know, we all feel really good about. And so, um, so I was just feeling a lot of feelings and I was happy to get to be there when we, when we told everybody. Dave is so mysterious, we're never sure if what he tells us is true <laughs> That's anyway. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor, I gotta ask you, I feel like uh, we haven't gotten to hear much of your perspective of Ezra's crazy amount of growth in season three, because he really started in such a bad place at the start of season three, and then by the end, even knowing that the Lothal thing didn't quite work out, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> He, he, he seems so much more at peace and so much more resolved. Um, it, it, tell me a little bit about where he is going into season four, having experienced all of that. Um, I think he matured the most through season three out of all the seasons thus far. Um, season two was really him toying with the dark side and seeing what possibilities lie there. But season three, there were also, I mean, the whole Mandalorian thing, and, and there was a a selflessness that he's now learned and I think that contributes to that peace that you're talking about and, and as I had said at the uh, panel that we had done or big whatever, that was awesome. I don't know what to call it but <laughs> um, see, it's geared him up for season four. He's kind of in a place where he has to make a decision as to who he wants to be but season three was a lot of realizing what his role was and seeing that sometimes he's going to have to step up and, and burden all the responsibility that need be and other times he's going to sit back and Sabine will take over and I, I think he's grown up a lot and matured and that's been the fun part of playing this character because if you look at the very first episode he's come so far um, and, and he's changed a lot and it's, it's been super cool so season four is interesting because uh, a lot of decisions are made um, for Ezra. I feel like with previous animated projects like the Clone Wars um, you guys had a lot of space to grow the show and the characters and mature over five, five and a half seasons. And I was wondering, with Star Wars Rebels on XD, how do you balance growing the show and growing the characters and becoming more mature with also leaving it as a good entry point for all age demographics? It's tough, but it's Star Wars. And I think when Star Wars is successful, it's always hitting all demographics. I mean, it's been something since the very beginning that I think shocked people because you could go watch Star Wars at the theater in 77 and whether you liked fantasy or sci-fi or not, you enjoyed it. And part of that is the humor that Harrison brings to it, you know, and the intensity that Carrie Fisher portrays and the kind of Luke Skywalker that's in everybody. And that just resonates with people. Uh, it could have been anything in Star Wars. My father really liked it because of the music and he was a big opera person, opera lover and symphony lover, and we related over that. 
it's connected at its core to the concept of family and watching it together as a family and experiencing the dynamics of the characters as family. So even though now we're in the fourth season, if you check it out, my hope is that you're engaged by the dynamics of these characters, that they make you laugh, that you worry for them. And then if you haven't seen the previous seasons, you go, oh my gosh, I better go catch up on this, you know, and see what's going on. But you'll still hopefully enjoy it. You know, I mean, if you watch Return of the Jedi and that's your entry point and you wonder what these little bears about and everything else, you know, um, you probably go back and watch, you know, A New Hope. Now, that was tougher back then because you couldn't really do that unless you had a Super 8 and you only got a cut down version of it. But, you know, now there are ways. Um, I always marvel at how the things these characters talk about, you can literally drop in a DVD and now if you saw today's episode, they're talking about Satine on Mandalore, Bo-Katan's sister. Well, you can go watch that. I did it. It's there. So we live in a strange time for continuity because it's all available, and that also kind of changes the dynamic of the storyteller as well. Our listeners love to hear about the Force, like the Mortis Dark and Clone Wars and stuff. Mm. And so my question is, are we going to explore the Force in that way and mythology a little bit more in Season 4? And especially regarding that wife, white wolf we saw in the trailer, as well as the fate of Ahsoka. There's a wolf there, in the trailer. There were That'd a bunch so of Where was the wolf at? That'd be so such, a, <laughs> such a direct dagger question. <laughs> like, yes, I know now. I see all the spots. See, I've, I know all of you better now over the years. Uh, you're all a very perceptive group, and I enjoy this very much. Um, <laughs> you make it, the dance very difficult for me um, because I so desperately want to answer your questions as a fan, fan to fan, and I appreciate it. Um, the Force is the core of Star Wars, and you have to be careful when you answer too many questions about it. Belief in the Force itself is part of what drives it. Not everybody in the Star Wars universe believes in it, which is interesting because its actions and abilities are on display quite often. So you think, well, why doesn't everybody believe in it? What's so hard about Han Solo that he doesn't believe in the Force when the Jedi Knights weren't so long ago as we find out in the prequels? Because it takes discipline and training and practice and commitment and faith to believe in this thing, that it gives you power, that it flows through you. It's in all of you. You all have it. Just some people, like Anakin, are more gifted. And that's great, and it's also dangerous. And I think that what we'll explore in season four as we get to the depth of Kanan's commitment and Ezra's commitment to the Force is that ultimate choice. Do you become more dangerous and fall to wickedness, or do you, in the face of fear, turn to good? Fear is the root of all evil. Fear destroys everything. Fear makes you make decisions you would not make. Fear makes you think you're making good decisions and they're poor decisions because you're afraid. And if you take nothing else away from Star Wars, you should make no decision out of fear. And when the emperor stands before you and has destroyed your father and ruined your life and you're powerless and he's made you hate your father almost and you throw him down, you must remember at that critical point to say, I'm gonna throw my weapon away because I love the person next to me, I love my father, I love my mother, and nothing you do can destroy that, nothing. And, and you stand on your commitment, and then that inspires in Anakin the hope, that inspires the love, which something evil does not understand. That's the core of Star Wars, and that is the power that you can't possibly imagine when you're evil that Obi-Wan speaks of. 
So maybe we'll get into that, I don't know. Well done. <laughs> Sitting here at Star Wars Celebration, it is late Saturday. It is our last day. That's right, I am not by myself. I am joined with, to my left, Mr. Josh Gay. How are you, sir? Hello, hello. I'm tired. I'm on like three hours of sleep. And to my right, making her podcast debut is the amazing, the wonderful, and I, I think that's the right description, is Miss Sarah Myers. How are you? I am good. You forgot Thank lovely. You. And lovely, yes. Yes, yes. yes. all Thank of the you. positive Thank things. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> so, thoughts on celebration. We're, we're wrapping up the end of our time here. We've been here since... We haven't really left the convention center since late Wednesday. So <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, it's it's been uh, an experience. I've never conned like this. This is like hardcore conning. Like this isn't like for the weak-hearted. Like this is hardcore. Stay up all night, sleep on concrete. You know. Yeah. Conning. This is this is you're in the middle of it. I might as well just have like four cosplay outfits that I change into every hour. You know, yeah. Because I'm I'm just I'm in it now. Yeah. Yeah, it is uh, really exciting to be here. I love seeing all the cosplays, um, all the crosses and everything. It's just been an experience. Well, one that you were showing me, you had, uh, it was a combination of Star Wars and The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes, yes, sir. There was a combination Darth Vader, Jack Skellington outfit. I've yes. got to find that person and take them home with me. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite cosplay outfits? Oh, man. Uh, well, so first of all, I love all the steampunk cr crossovers. Those are fantastic. But I actually just saw a um, somebody rigged up to where they're actually a Jawa carrying a BB-8 on his back. That's but awesome. But oh, the Jawa nice. is robotic. The person is actually in the BB-8. Really? So the head turns. There's somebody behind that head, and the Jawa is robotic. It's, it, it's absolutely awesome. And now she, uh, Sarah's showing the picture of her uh, uh, Darth Skellington, and that's that, yeah, that's awesome. He kind of looks sweet. Beetlejuice-esque too. A little bit, yeah. yeah. And there's the other one. Oh, very nice. The yeah. Oogie Boogie. Uh, Oogie Boogie. Yeah, that's awesome. And Chewbacca. Yeah. yeah. My favorite, without a doubt, has been the Muppet Stormtroopers. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was able to get a picture of all of them. There's like a ton of them. There's uh, there was Kermit, Gonzo, uh, Beaker. The other scientist, and then uh, Statler and Waldorf were oh, Imperial wow. officers. Well, and I also saw a Darth Vader cookie monster on a Segway uh, with a sign that said, We'll hunt rebels for cookies. Nice. <laughs> so that was very nice. good, too. Well, and I saw a cookie monster Chewbacca. With me being a Disney, you know, fan, I love the Disney Princess Jedi. That's just, I love that. It's my favorite. Because we've seen Jasmine. <laughs> uh, who else have we seen? Uh, I've seen Ariel. I have seen uh, Tinkerbell. There's a Tinkerbell around here. I saw yeah. Rapunzel. Oh, Ray you did? Rapunzel, did yeah. See that. That was very nice. good. That's awesome. I feel like the best thing, at least for me, was the Last Jedi panel. You know, being there Ooh. and seeing that, that was a whirlwind. I, I'm still going to give the edge, though, to that 40th anniversary tearjerker, emotional roller coaster, you know. It was great seeing George Lucas and Harrison Ford, but then the tribute with Billy Lord giving the tribute to her late mother, Carrie Fisher, mm -hmm. 
and then going into a tribute video that's all over the internet, already making people cry. Yeah. And then pouring it on with John Williams <laughs> conducting know. Leia's theme. I mean, seriously, I'm about to cry right now yeah. thinking about it. <laughs> I was a blubbering idiot. That had snot coming out of my mouth, or out of my nose. It was it was awful. Oh, yeah. He looked over at me, and I was just, tears were just rolling down. Yeah. I, I even teared up, too. No, that, that tribute was, it was one of the best tributes I've ever seen. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Star Wars fan, but... When you put together you know, something that speaks to not just the career but the life of someone that meant so much to so many people like Carrie Fisher, and then just to top it all off, like you said, when the curtains opened, I'm like, what else is next? And then I see an orchestra, and I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was something. But like you said, The Last Jedi, that's tough because, you know, that's one of those, like, tentpole moments in your life because now forever – when you see that movie, you're going to go, well, hey, I have that poster. I met Ryan Johnson, the director. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, stayed up till four in the morning meeting every fan that stayed overnight. Um, and then just to see those characters up there, and they were all having fun, which is great, too. You know, when you watch the 40th anniversary panel, there was actually some, there was actually tension there a little bit. You know, Lucas was real wooden to start things off and then Harrison Ford was a little snarky and he warmed up a little bit whereas everybody for the Jedi the last Jedi they were ready to go on their their press tour yeah yes so uh, that was that was fun yeah there were some really good surprises you know with Daisy Ridley coming out and they they had you know several of the characters from the movie and then of course you know seeing the trailer before Mm -hmm. anybody else does you know it was put online immediately after but seeing it in a room with a bunch of diehard Star Wars fans was just it was a bucket list moment for me that's something that since i've been a kid and been a huge star wars fan like i wanted to come to some type of a con and see a trailer like that and and the trailer was was awesome it was great i didn't i didn't know that that was a bucket list item until i crossed it off but it it definitely was and i'll say this one of the other like underrated parts of that is uh kelly marie tran is playing a new character rose in the new movie and you could see on stage her going from relatively unknown actress compared to the star wars universe to all of a sudden being overwhelmed by the fact that she is now ingrained in this star wars lore you could see it on her face and that really was kind of cool to me watching that and you go whoa, this is really life-changing for these people. Yeah, I'm excited to see cosplays of hers in the future. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I might, it, I might jump on the road, <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because even with like well-known actors, like you take somebody like a Freddie Prince Jr., for example, or a Sarah Michelle Gellar, and you put them in an already you know, established universe as new characters, and even they're like, this is a completely different animal, and it's just a completely different experience because... You know, Star Wars is, whether people want to admit it or not, it's the biggest film franchise in the world. And just to have your name attached to it, I think, is a big thing. Oh, right. And oh, I yeah. mean, uh, for the most part, overwhelmingly positive. Like you said, Freddie Prince Jr. in the uh, Rebels uh, panel, which was great. We got to yeah. preview an episode that won't come out until fall. Uh, they also made the sad announcement that that's their last season, but they did it for creative reasons, so they are going to be working on some other project. But Freddie Prince Jr. talking about going to Skywalker Ranch and, and watching uh, an episode of Rebels there, and you could see that he was awestruck. You know, I mean, this is a major movie star, and he's in a cartoon version of the, the movie franchise, and so it's kind of like an ancillary part of it. 
and he was awestruck by being a part of that, which is really uh, something interesting to see throughout the, this whole con process. And I will say, after the panel and watching that episode, I'm going to start Rebels. It was accidental. Like, for me, yeah. I, I, I watched an episode and was like, well, let me see what happens in the next episode. Now, it's, like, got the prominent, like, priority on my DVR. You know, I'm <laughs> watching it anytime I can. So I can't wait to see the new season. And see, it's going to be dark because this may end some characters in it. So we gotta got to wait and see how that, that rolls. My early prediction for... Dave Filoni's next project is it's going to be another animated series, but it takes place between Jedi and Force Awakens. And I also think that it's going to uh, play heavily with Ahsoka. I think yeah. Ahsoka or Thrawn may be heavily involved somehow um, because those were two topics that he brought up a lot during the panel. And of course, he had a T-shirt that said "Ahsoka Lives?" Question mark. Well, after showing the episode or after showing the trailer, he gets back up on stage, and the question mark is now a exclamation point. So. It'll be interesting to see if he tackles that. Ahsoka is one of those that now especially is so in demand from the fans that I don't think they can create enough content around her. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, whether she's going to be in one of the uh, the spinoff movies or they're going to do a cartoon uh, cartoon series as we hear the Star Wars theme. Uh, by the way, though, I will say that like it never gets old. But, hey, there are other Star Wars songs. Yeah. Like, I haven't heard Duel of the Fates once, but I've heard the Star Wars theme, like, 400 times already. So it's kind of like, all right, look, let's hear the rest of it. Sorry. I haven't heard the Cantina theme. Uh, I did. There was actually a band, uh, a, a brass band or a marching band or whatever. They all had the, uh, they all had the masks of their characters on their hands, and then they would play... Their instrument. It was really fun. That's it, awesome. it was a. It was kind of neat. So, we're just kind of going back to Rebels a little bit. Sarah actually just met Freddie Prince Jr. I did. I how did, did. How did that go? It was very nice. He was. He was a nice guy. He told me to have a great celebration. Sweet. Nice. Yeah. I haven't delved into like you know talking with any of the actors or anything just because they've all been over there and that's kind of where everybody is right now. But. Yeah, it's been it's been a good time. You know, it's we haven't slept that much. Funny story, because I know you overslept too, Josh. Yeah, I overslept this morning as well. We um, we got back to the hotel around six, and we were like looking at places that delivered food like for dinner. So we're like, well, we'll we'll take a nap and then we'll wake up and order dinner. I wake up and it's like past five a.m. So yep, yeah, we slept. Completely missed dinner. Yeah, we slept for almost twelve hours. Well, I mean, and after after getting here Wednesday night, uh, I mean, I know I showed up around ten, ten thirty. You guys were right ahead of me, and yeah. Uh, and from then, I didn't leave the convention hall until from Wednesday night until Friday at six. Like, yeah. it was it, it was intense, man. <laughs> I uh, I don't know if I would ever do that again, but it was well worth it. Again, there you can. I'm sure Derek and I and, and Sarah will post on Facebook about how awful some of the things were at the con, but the actual events were amazing. And yeah. again, yes. Ryan Johnson coming through, staying up till four in the morning, promising that he's going to meet every fan, and he did. And he was such a humble, nice guy that uh, that spoke volumes to me. And it made it made the staying in a line for hours only to go into another line for hours and then have hundreds of people cut you in line that made that almost bearable so. yeah Sarah any closing thoughts for celebration 
Um, well, if you're a diehard Star Wars fan, I would recommend it, especially with all the merch and. Yeah, no, it's um, it's been something you know. Yeah, there's been a lot of waiting, and there have been some things that have been frustrating. Those who follow me on Facebook know what that is, but. The Last Jedi panel and the 40th anniversary panel made it worth it because that's that's something that you may never get to do again, right? So. And it's something I can carry to my 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 child too. And yeah, that's actually been like a really cool thing for me is she didn't get to come along, but I know that the next time uh, there is one that I can attend, I'm definitely bringing my kiddo with me. She's obsessed with Star Wars, but going around to booths and picking out things and talking to people about the kid aspect and how she's going to grow up with a whole new generation of Star Wars. And, you know, I met one of the artists, uh, Katie Cook, who does children's books. And she was so great. And she has this this print, and she signed it to Charlie, drew a little BB-8 on it. And that's going to, like, hang in my daughter's room, and she's going to love that. I mean, I know when I get home, like, that's going to be, like, a highlight for her. So it's just it's really cool to see every generation, everybody, and then all of these other ancillary parts of Star Wars. She writes children's books, for God's sakes, and yet that plays an important part in my con experience, which was great. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for taking a few minutes to do the the closing segment of this podcast, and uh, hopefully we all get some sleep after this weekend. I love you all. And there you have it. That's my recap of Star Wars Celebration. Uh, the newest dates uh, for 2019, because they're skipping 2018, has not been announced yet. So you'll have to stay tuned to uh, social media uh, to find out when Star Wars Celebration 2019 will take place and where it's going to take place. And also, don't forget, you can check out past episodes of this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. You can follow me on social media. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience on Facebook. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast. I posted a ton of photos and a couple of videos from Celebration on my Instagram page, so definitely go check that out. And I believe that does it, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Tuesday. to a Nerd Cave Network production. Are you looking for new original music? If so, you should check out my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers. The Unicorn Wranglers are very important to this podcast. They're a local indie rock band based right here in Pensacola, Florida, and they supply the theme music that you hear at the beginning and end of each episode. And the song you heard today is D-Rock from their upcoming album, Thundersnow, which will be out very, very soon. But you can check out some of their past music on Bandcamp. Just go over to Bandcamp.com and search for the Unicorn Wranglers. And you can find Murder Mystery Night, 95 Flannel, and their EP Atomics for free. That's my favorite four-letter word, free. 
You can also follow them on social media. They're on Twitter and Instagram at Wranglers. Search for the Unicorn Wranglers on Facebook. And finally, be sure to check out their website, unicornwranglers.com.